Hello and welcome to Personal Threads, a podcast about the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Ascot, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform our personal style. Each time, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a voyage through their life and personal style, stopping at moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' individual taste. Whether you're donning your finest for Royal Ascot or the QIPCO King George weekend or wrapping up in tweed for the jump season, sartorial elegance and style is in the very fabric of Ascot Racecourse. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, a creative director, stylist and contributing editor to British Vogue. Hello, I am Scott Wimsett, a fashion industry commentator and consultant. My career in digital and broadcast has spanned almost 20 years from presenting for MTV, Vogue TV and many more. Our guest today is responsible for her own piece of Royal Ascot history. In 2016, she became the first woman to wear a top hat and tails in the royal enclosure. After an outpouring of positive responses, our guest confirmed her belief that there was a gap in the market for women's tailoring. In 2019, Daisy Natchbull founded The Deck and became the first female-only tailor with a shop front on the prestigious Savile Row. Daisy is a champion of inclusivity within female tailoring offering her service to women of any age, which has been from 18 to 92 years old. Daisy's belief that any shape, size and age should have access to high-quality tailoring has led to the success of the deck. The deck's clients include an array of influential females from mothers to businesswomen to brides, including Elizabeth Hurley, Lauren Hutton and Gillian Anderson. This reshuffle of Savile Row has created new rules for female dressing moving the suit away from a businesswoman narrative and towards a more inclusive, modern and versatile piece. Welcome, Daisy. How are you? Hi, very well, thank you. Hi, Daisy. Hi. Good to see you. So obviously, you know the premise of Personal Threads. So we're doing that deeper dive in everybody's unique sense of style. So if you could dial up three words to describe Daisy Natchbull's style, what would they be? Wow, there we go. Okay, three words. I would say probably eclectic, timeless. Nice. And I would say elevated. Bit of substance saying that about your own stuff. No, that's good. Elevated. elevated. I like to try and dress elevated. <laughs> Love it. So, what would you say would be your earliest style defining memory? Probably, I was always, I feel like a lot of women start wanting their careers to go this way but with my grandmother when I was younger poring over pages of various magazines and she has a wealth of knowledge around fashion but the business of fashion and the way these businesses were conducted and why designers did what they did and more than you would also get in the pages of the magazines and so we'd spend hours chatting together on that that was something I loved doing with her and that moved into also strangely pattern making and we'd make dresses together and that was something that I spent a lot of time with my granny when I was younger and we'd do a lot of that together and make twirls and and so that memory for me shaped the obsession that I got with reading the magazines and understanding fashion more and looking back and being inspired by amazing eras of fashion and modern fashion and 
where it was going whilst also learning the great history behind mm. fashion. So how come your grandmother knew about the business and fashion? Was she actually in fashion or she, just was very passionate? She, My grandfather was a fashion photographer called John Cowan in the 60s and 70s time. And so she was surrounded by a lot. I mean, he shot a lot of Mary Quant and, and right. Sonny and Cher and all these great people. So I think... My grandmother living in Chelsea in the 60s got to meet a lot of cool people and see kind of Mary Quan and what she yes. was doing and all the various kind of ways people dressed on the King's Road at that time. And so just kind of lived it as well as just reading about it and learning. So I, I can imagine those. at that time, King's Road was the hotbed yeah. of fashion, wasn't it? Yeah. Because then you had from... Mary Quant to the rebel in fashion at that time, which was Vivian Westwood with her yeah. sex shop, wasn't it? Yeah, it was and sex. Granny yeah. takes a trip. Yeah, and Granny takes that, a trip as well. All that—that that was really places. the hub of fashion. Well, and also the kind of social scene when you went out, you were going mm. to the King's Road to have parties Mods and stuff. And the yes. rockers later on, and then the Teddy Boys. Yeah. When you look back at like, are there particular looks? that you can remember and dial up. So obviously you said like you were going through the history of fashion, but what was around you at that time? Would you see kind of family members that did a party? <laughs> I mean, what was around me was Brittany and Justin walking, <laughs> walking, going to a premiere and matching denim suits. Maybe that's where it all started. Yeah, I think both my grandmothers had a really incredible way of dressing that I think I've taken inspiration from in the sense that actually neither of them were that into designer fashion. They never really wore labels. They knew lots about it, but actually just incredible kind of timeless pieces and they might be designer but not so obviously and mm. and bits from trips to Burma or mm, here yeah. where they'd bring inspiration from different cultures and nice. as a nosy annoying little grandchild I was in their wardrobes looking I mean so much of myself in my wardrobe comes from from both of them and and also brands that don't even exist anymore that were huge back in the day mm. for them and so definitely that eclectic sense of style comes from so many different inspirations for me throughout my life. And Can you dial up one piece? Is there anything that you remember that was a granny number yes, that's I'm there to think etched in often, your memory? I mean, look, she took a lot of inspiration from actually Indian dress yes. and stuff. So quite similar, heavily embroidered, colourful. the way colourful and the drape of the stuff. And she'd wear mm. these woven belts that mm. she'd wear around with. That's one grandmother that I just remember. And then my other grandma was always a trouser wearer tailored trousers and a really beautiful shirt that never right. seemed to crease and always had a great ruffle on it or yeah that, I can that, see how that, that, that yeah. sort of yeah, we've got Daisy's yeah, wearing I a ruffled it, pink a shirt, shirt today well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the oldest item that you have in your wardrobe is it something inherited from granny definitely or? inherited yeah I think it was actually a great granny's mm. amazing black patent leather bag I've had repaired a thousand times wow. because they're so, it's just so flimsy and beautiful yes. and small and for sure that has to be the oldest or a tiny tiny little Gucci watch so mm. small with the used to have such small, elegant, tiny hands, which I mm. am literally the opposite of. Mm. It's very sweet. Was that something that you actually coveted or was handed down? The bag I coveted. Yeah. For sure. The bags. The bags. I have so many <laughs> bags. The bags. It's overcoats, bags. Yes. For me, I have a slight obsession with those two things. And then obviously the suits. Shoes, it's fine. I wear a lot of trainers. I love mm. that. But it's bags and coats give me this feeling. Do, do you put your arms in the coat or is it over <laughs> the just, shoulders? Just hold them. Um, <laughs> just it's them. over the shoulder. Uh, over the shoulder on, yeah. Probably, I'm I like seeing the I love an over the, the shoulder. shoulder. I know. I think I came in that very long Hudson well, Rock, though, isn't say, it? Yeah. In that way. My mother had this beautiful wool coat and it's astrakhan, huge astrakhan oh God, collar. Amazing. And I remember it looking up from when I was very young. Mm. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to have mine. that coat. 
that's mine. I'm going to have it. I and I keep waiting yeah. to get it. And I finally got Woo-hoo! it. So oh. I'm very happy. <laughs> I've heard that you've said you had a very rebellious ethos. It's better to ask for forgiveness <laughs> this is gonna come back rather than permission. So how do you think that this has helped you become a successful entrepreneur? Do you think that that's part of it that spurred you on, that's kept you going? And also, what's the most rebellious thing that you've ever done? Oh, gosh. I think definitely growing up as a child, I was always pushing the boundaries, as they say, you know, and always skating on thin ice. That was the expression often used. Where I was, <laughs> you're I skating was, on thin I ice. I was or sailing too close to the wind. Well, that We've sounds like these. when you were at school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was always that way. In my school reports, it was, you know, yes. she pushes the boundaries. But I imagine when you're younger, it's annoying. But actually part of that I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I think mm. I'm all for tradition in so many ways. I think tradition is a beautiful thing and loads of them should be cherished in my business for instance the art of tailoring and craftsmanship these are traditions that are hugely important to keep and cherish but I think there's a part of it where this whole idea of asking for forgiveness and not permission I think sometimes it's a good thing to shake something up or to Mm. challenge it or to question it and we know this this is what's happening every day around the world which is fantastic and and the world is moving in a fantastic direction but I think for sure, it's inspired me in the way I do things and slightly pushing the boundaries, whether mm. that is wearing a top hat and tails at Royal Ascot or opening Savile Row's first shop front for women. Mm. or All of these things have been to test and push to see how far you can go without upsetting anyone, but doing something that probably is needed. But on that, so from that moment of actually deciding that you were going to go to the Royal Enclosure and you obviously are sponsor Royal Ascot, hello there, <laughs> uh, and you actually were going to wear the top hat and tails. What led to that? Was it a strategic move or was it just a gut instinct of, I just know I need to do this, this just feels like the right time? So originally it was when I was at Huntsman, we were really trying to get more women to wear tailoring mm. and the books on Savile Row are filled with women. Mm. Women were having mm. britches and incredible riding hunk coats and all these things made in the 20s. The books are filled with women. And then it just dies off. And of course, you're going to get women coming to Savile Row, but there was no place for women. And so mm. this publicity stunt, inverted commas, that we tried to do was like, what can we do that's really going to get people's attention? And you know, we've put men on the moon and the idea that no one's open to shop front for women or no one's worn top hat and tails. or These are strange things that yeah. do need to be challenged. And so, you know, I knew the brand so well. Mm. I adored yeah. the brand. And why not go out and do it and own it and mm. feel it? And that's how it all happened. And what so, was the reaction? Yes, exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> so I remember the day. I have to say, to this day, it was one of the scariest things I've ever done which sounds so stupid but getting out the car in car park one and wearing this top band tells it was the world's hottest day and mm. I was wearing a top hat for the first time which I don't know how the men do it because my head it felt like it was expanding I mean I had a mark <laughs> on my forehead for so long and getting out I knew that there would be a mixed reaction of course mm. there's going to be a mixed reaction because there are a lot of people who particularly who attend things like Royal Ascot and stuff, who might be in a slightly different age bracket that yeah. feel that that yes. might be inappropriate or that something's trying to be changed that shouldn't. Or yeah. mm. So I remember getting a few... This was just walking to get into the Royal Enclosure. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. someone said to me, I mean some things that I'm not going to say on here that aren't very nice and yeah. and then you know traditions aren't meant to be broken and all these kind of comments and I just keep walking old I was with school. my best friend just keep walking just keep walking yeah. got to the royal enclosure and I presented myself with a big old smile kind of naive <laughs> to the fact that there wouldn't be any issues also slightly hoping there would be because then that would create a scene and it was quite yes. fun and they stopped me and they said, I'm afraid you can't come in. And I thought, brilliant, this is so good. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. And I, I proudly said, you know, why? And they said, your footwear's incorrect. 
I was like, what? And I was wearing these six-inch Louboutin's shoes. They said, if you're to wear morning dress, you must adhere to Oxford's or whatever standard yeah. shoe right. is required. Right, right. They wanted I thought, that what a strange look. thing. Wow. I think that was trying to work out a way, basically, this girl's going to create a scene and yes. we're not going to deal with it right now. How long ago was this? This was six years ago this year, yeah. so yeah. this six asker. And anyway, I said, please, could you get your manager? You know, I'd love to speak to her for a second. The manager came out and literally didn't even say anything, just started clapping and said, go on, go and do it. And I walked in and, yes. and literally oh, this brilliant. round of applause, everyone started cheering and Amazing. clapping. And all these women were coming up to me and saying, I've always wanted to do this. God, have fun. You look fantastic. Brilliant. And everywhere I was going, I mean, you know, you've got those people giving me seriously dirty looks. And then it just became fun because it was like, oh, it was winding them up. And and then yeah. so many people coming up to me throughout the day being like, you look great. This Did is you so feel fantastic. And I mean, I was wearing the most immaculate tails I ever wear in my entire life, which I don't know how to ever wear them again because I can't do the ascot thing and you can't go to a wedding because it looks like you're trying to upstage the bride. So they're <laughs> beautiful to look at, but I looked and felt unbelievable. And then mm. it had a great response in the press. And so that was a really cool thing. And for me, was really the catalyst to this. There is this feeling and this zeitgeist and this movement and in the air. And there needs to be this place where women can come and go and be seen by a woman and be heard and understood and yes. talk about you know womanly things yeah. like things that people don't really want to discuss often but also push the boundaries as well exactly because it's like so strict and enclosed yeah. that it takes one firebrand exactly. to actually exactly just so we're trying move it. we're trying our best can you share your thoughts around gender fluidity seeing as we're speaking about this because yeah. obviously you dress women but if, for example, a guy who really feels that his form might be more feminine and he really likes the aesthetic of the deck, could he possibly walk through the doors and be looked after? Yeah, in I'm, store? I'm really actually happy that you asked me that because everyone needs a kind of elevator pitch or strap line, right? And our main market is that we make for women. Now, mm -hmm. with gender fluidity and all of this, I really want the word to get out there that if you identify mm. as a woman, yes. if you feel comfortable in women's clothing, if you're drawn to our business, that pretty much separates. You know, there are going to be people that aren't going to want to wear women's clothing. Fine, they don't come in. But it's not that I'm going to close the door. I mean, we've had so many people who are gender fluid or mm. do just want to wear women's clothing. I have no issue with that. As right. long as they're yes. comfortable, of course, we're never going to turn anyone away. And actually, a really beautiful thing that's come out of our business is other scenarios where we've had one or two people who are men who feel uncomfortable around men for various reasons who want to be fitted in a safe environment and so they choose our store to do it like oh, i love that you know or someone who might be in the process of transitioning that we can help and there's so many scenarios that you can't just blanket as we know so the deck stores are open to anyone and if you don't want to wear women's clothing fine but anyone else that does we're here and it's not exclusively to one group it just predominantly is that group that we make for but everyone and anyone whatever age size race shape you name it we're here for it and that's what i love about this business is we don't turn anyone away nice the deck where did the name come from it came from a deck of cards four suits and a deck of cards mm. and we start from these four silhouettes that then we make entirely to your body measurements and specifications mm. and also actually about reshuffling the way we think about tailoring mm. so it's changing up the deck Nice. And are you going to expand on that so it's going to become more than four? Yes, I mean, already we're there. I think yes. we're keeping the essence of it because it's really about reshuffling this yes. idea of tailoring. But we've got a lot happening. It's very exciting. There's definitely been more yeah. than four things. So working on Savile Row with Puntsman for five years in the PR and communications department, what was the most valuable lesson that you learned there? 
God, my time there was totally valuable and fantastic. I mean, I was this young thing that had never stepped foot on Savile Row in my entire life yeah. and was too scared to and had this amazing opportunity to go and work in one of the most prestigious Ben's tailors in the world. And there I got to literally experience tailoring from the beating heart of it and from the stitch up and watch and learn. It was something I didn't know anything about. I was fascinated by women's wear and always had this this interest in menswear and wanted to try and make a difference in the men's world because I thought the women's wear world was too saturated. So it yeah. was this new thing for me. And literally from the makers and seeing it, it taught me so much, most notably about the industry that I've now been able to create my business mm. out of. I would never be able to do what I did without that experience. Do you think that's where your light bulb moment came? Totally. Where you thought, actually, totally. there is a gap in the market. I'm going to Totally. And actually by moving into menswear, I then found a gap in women's wear, which I mm. thought would, I would never find. And, yeah. and it's totally because of that experience that I had. And being immersed into this globally renowned street that in itself is so village-like and small really and secretive. Yes. And so that was precious time that I spent there getting to know all these amazing people and seeing this gap suit shape gap as they call it I mean to the row and I've worked there intermittently over the years and that cautiousness that they have for any new blood I know that for Oswald it was the same when he first Mm. started out and also at the same time that real strong family oversized family spirit that the row has so what was your experience you being the first ever female shop owner I was nervous naturally so after leaving Huntsman to start my own business actually our first port of call was the King's Road we had a shop there and that links back to actually with my grandmother and I love the mm, idea nice. that we'd actually launched on that street and it was a cool moment And yeah. but for me the Mecca is Savile Row right and I mm. was just like whatever we do I want to be back there I want the deck to be here for 100 years 1000 years whatever it is we need to be around the best in the business and we need to be mm. sitting mm. adjacent to mm. these mm. you know huge heritage mm companies Mm. so it was a no-brainer getting there in two years was I never thought possible but it did and I was really really nervous and I thought gosh how are people going to respond to this but the most beautiful thing about it was I think because I'd been on the street in a Mm non-threatening way and always I mean actually I used to smoke so I used to stand outside a lot having a cigarette and got Mm. to know everyone on the street Mm. and it is this big extended family as you say and everyone knows everyone's business and it is a great amazing street to work on but it is resistance sometimes Mm. to newness or things changing or controversial things and what I found by moving there actually because of this having spent you know now seven eight years on that street I think they just felt that it was the right thing and that it was time and so actually we got so many flowers and Mm. cards and and I think because we're not very threatening being on the street I think if anything it actually works for both sides so many tailors send us clients and we send them clients and I'm sure there's going to be and I'm sure there was people that have something to say where did you move into who's 19 so it was called Chester Barry before I remember Chester Barry Yeah. yeah and before that I believe it was Tommy Nutter's store at some oh, point. Really? That wow. Great. Good That's what someone yeah. from Chester Barry who had worked at Nutter's, I think, told me. And it's on the cross section. It's opposite Oswald and Richard James. Mm, it's a great cross spot. section to be on the really? sunshines. It's literally the only shop that gets sun all day. Amazing. Um, and it was a lovely place for us to be. And it was just received so well by the press. I mean, they thought, who is this Nutter? <laughs> I had CNBC, BBC, Sky coming in, and, and they all wanted to take interviews. And there I was in the pandemic sitting in my little house doing these things i remember one woman saying at the end of the interview you know good luck with that as the video ends on the news and i thought i'm an idiot what am i doing but you know what somehow the gamble paid off and we're here and we've survived a 
pandemic. We've survived Brexit, which again, I mean, two of the worst things to happen to retail are the wars. Mm. And, and it has been an incredibly tough time for everyone. And I think as a startup business, your chances of succeeding in your first mm -hmm. three years are so small anyway let mm. alone throwing these things so mm -hmm. it's cool to have this resilience factor and the support of the street and mm -hmm. we're really excited to keep going and seeing where this goes that's really exciting i think there is such a great demand for women to want a bespoke suit to invest in a really great suit i've been speaking to lots of girlfriends and one of my friends actually has one of your suits oh, ivana oh yes she looks amazing she looks yeah, incredible and she always said to me, I've always wanted one, but I was really scared. But then when I found out that Daisy actually had her own shop front, I just walked in there because I felt comfortable. It was a woman's space. It was oh, full, such full nice of women, feedback. designed by women. I, that was quite empowering. And I think that's I think it's also important for people, that aspect as well. I mean, I, I love Ivana because she has a great quote that I've actually said, I'm going to repeat this over and over because mm. she says, in terms of cost, it pays you back in compliments. She said she's never had oh, anything yes. where people say, and our clients say this, they're like, honestly, it's like I'm the messiah. People stop me at every party. And, you know, standing taller, feeling better, being more confident. But you're right. I think all of these elements, which people want that feeling of... Mm. Walking into a light, bright space, having a glass of champagne, chatting away, you've got another client in, you're comparing what cloth you're getting. Then you're met by an all-female team who can talk to you about things like bloating and like having various things that are going on. And we find out about pregnancies before most people or sensitive things like mm. IVF and all the different things a woman faces that changes their body. And that's something you want to do in this closed, intimate environment. And another thing we realised is that most women haven't had the opportunity to have something made before. Yeah. Mm. So they come in thinking, oh God, so I'm not going to say, do you want a peak or a notch lapel and just expect them to know the answer? Yeah. It's, hey, this is what a peak lapel looks like and this is why we think you should go for it. This is a notch lapel. Or do you know what a side adjuster is? And if you don't, that's fine. We'll show you. It's just making that person not feel because a lot of people come in thinking, oh God, I don't know what I'm going to get. So I always start the consultation saying, do you know what you want? And if you don't know, that is the best yes. place to start because we're going to guide you. And we're not prescriptive and their personal style comes out, but we're guiding them through that process so that they end up with something they love by working out what they don't wear in their mm. wardrobe. The weird things. Do you sweat a lot? Do you not like heavy cloth? How can we get you wearing this at every occasion for the rest of your life? And like you say, those investment pieces. I mean, I think if we look at it, it's a really interesting time for a few things, obviously post-pandemic, post-Brexit, which are challenges, yes. but the positives. You know, it's a very exciting time to be a woman right yeah. now. And it's a very exciting exciting time in regards to female tailoring Definitely. do you know what I mean and yeah. I just I'm interested in the I'm kind of lucky. <laughs> personalities that come through the door connecting the dots like who mm. are those strong independent women I talk know. to us about that I get customer. asked that a lot actually because actually a lot of men say to me but how many women are sitting in offices that you're making for that's actually not my main client mm. Well, it is, but she's every occasion mm. so yeah. the women coming in I mean we recently just did a really beautiful campaign where we shot 28 of our clients who were finding cures for cancer or war veterans or dancers, singers, Amazing. songwriters, activists. And it was a campaign. They were wearing all their own suits. And the people coming into the deck want something that they'll wear for every occasion. They'll pick their kids up from school in it in with a T-shirt and trainers. They'll nice. change to a silk shirt for lunch and then they'll put nothing underneath with their waistcoat and their stilettos and they'll look fantastic. Yeah. And it's the same, exactly, it's the same suit. And all of our suits come with enough inlays so you can go out and in for the rest of your life because no woman's ever going to stay the same and then hopefully pass that on. But... The woman coming in wants something she can wear to a board meeting, of course, if she works. And then she can also go for a Sunday walk in yeah. that same jacket. 
But we are so lucky. I mean, it is amazing, these women that walk in. And it's kind of that excitement every time because it's like, you know, who is this woman? What does she do? And it's something I'm passionate about because they're just the coolest, mm, most community badass women yeah. Yeah. doing like insane stuff that you wouldn't know them from the press, but they're just changing people's lives. Way, yeah. yeah. And that I love. I love that. And I can see that wanting to wear that tailored piece that you can be on your A-game and just, like yeah. you say, that androgynous kind yeah. of mm. And me, you know, lots. I had someone the other day who said that they'd bumped into their ex-husband and the ex-husband's kind of jaw dropped. It was this <laughs> moment that she'd been dreading, but she looked so amazing that she was like, you know, we're asking another girl who finally got her pay rise and she'd worn the suit that we'd made for her and that made her feel a million dollars and so she kind of walked into the room. It's those stories that Mm. are insane and the tears in the mirror when someone sees themselves in a different way or they've never been able to find a pair of trousers before and finally they're wearing them. It's like, love it. So amazing. And you brought up a, a point that most men see women only wearing a suit if they work in a bank mm. or an office. And don't you think it's time it's just stopped being referred to as the power suit? Every time a woman is photographed or wearing a suit, it's a power yeah. suit. And that's it. Mm. I think, as you touched upon with lockdown and the pandemic and how it's changed people's buying habits, I think you're right. I think this idea that, oh, it's such a big deal. A woman's wearing a suit. Look, she's yeah. like standing for independence and power. Like, Sure, they may make you feel these things, but I think you're right, that dialogue around it needs to change. And I think post-pandemic, this conscious consumer has got stronger and someone who is investing in themselves and for the future Mm -hmm. and for key pieces. And I think tailoring where it has been a power suit in the 80s and then come back again as this kind of power suit, I think now it will slightly form into this isn't a trend. It's not something that's going to come and go. We're now seeing this every year. The cat will be like, oh, please let tailor it. You know, it doesn't stop. It's always going to be here. And now it's just an essential wardrobe staple. Women will always want a good fitting jacket, good trousers, a dress, a skirt, a waistcoat. They will want tailored wardrobe pieces that will last a lifetime and aren't dictated by trend or season. And they perform, they deliver for you, don't they? Every time you roll out of bed, you look great yeah talking about lockdown we've been locked away for the past two years at least and in a way occasion where seems to have lost its way lost its purpose in that sense because we haven't been going out anywhere and everyone sort of reverted to loungewear Mm. in a sense hoodies Mm. sweats what were you wearing during lockdown? Oh, God. You wouldn't want to Three see piece me. Yeah, Every I was about to, yeah, you Three know me. Up. Suit. <laughs> no, we actually looked at doing a jersey suit. Thankfully, people are happy to be out of stretchy gear all the time. But I certainly was the one that was in my stretchy gear. There are times when in the lockdown, my boyfriend and I would try and have a really fun date night. So I'd get all yes. dressed up. and Because I love dressing up. I love it. I love nothing more. I love a theme. I love being over the top. I love getting mm. dressed up. And so you do get a bit comfortable and complacent. I mean, my hair spent its whole time in a knot on the top of my head for two <laughs> years, apart from when I was a Zoom and I'd frantically brush it. And these glasses came very handy. Um <laughs> But it was fun to have those moments in lockdown where you'd go so overboard and dress up and feel sexy and elegant and again and all these things. But yeah, it is easy to get comfortable. But I think we were really worried about it coming out of it. God, do you think everyone's going to want to keep in gym gear and all this kind of stuff? But you know, the women that see us love dressing up. They love feeling good. And I think it's easy to slip into that comfiness. But actually people have been quite able to come back out of it again and for occasions get really dressed up. And I feel like people are going more than they've ever done when all those 
those parties started again and events and it's back there but maybe mm. we will enjoy the moments where we wear the yoga pants again <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you're right there seems to be this tangible euphoria yes of actually life's yeah. back on everything's yeah. opening up especially from a sort of summer events perspective yes, and occasion where it's really exciting but moving back into the conversation around style in particular so what do you think are the additional components that apart from dress and tailoring mm. and what we're wearing that can actually really articulate one's style I mean, this is a weird one, but I think the way you conduct yourself, your thoughts, opinions, your morals, I think it's incredibly unchic for someone to have, you know, sometimes the things you hear and the way people act. You can be the most stylish person on earth, but if you're not a very nice person, to put it politely, it's not a great look. I think that, firstly. I think shoes, bad shoes. <laughs> don't let shoes. it down with the shoes I have a real thing about bad shoes really yeah. what do you consider a bad it, shoe it, make, it gives me the ick you know like you get an ick get an ick with a, a partner you get an ick with a bad shoe in world so we know not to enter the deck God, in a no, bad shoe is it something that actually doesn't go with the outfit or is it just like it's, it's a bad shoe well you know they always say it, someone's shoes says a lot about that person right. it's not that you have to be polished every day I mean <laughs> I come in messy trainers half the time but yeah. I don't know if it's just personal where I'm not mad about long pointy winkle picker kind of shoe with a good suit mm. maybe certain colours shades of brown If it, again I don't know if that comes from my amazing years at Huntsman and being on the street and being I am a real suit snob particularly yes. for men Weirdly, and I think that is that tough on your boyfriend. <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> like, is this okay? Literally, when I first started night? going out, I was like, "Get rid, get rid." The whole, the whole wardrobe. Have okay. to edit yeah. And he's Italian, so there was that kind of mixture oh, wow. of British got versus a very Italian tailoring style. I know, but <laughs> I think it's just some people can get it really wrong and it's so easy to not mm. get it totally wrong but I'm quite funny like I don't like a super skinny lapel I'm not mad about a shiny suit but then there are occasions where someone wears incredible winkle picker shoes or a mm. great shiny suit I don't know it's just personal preference I guess but I think there are certain inverted commas style rules that would be good that all these amazing bloggers and influencers and Instagrammers put out there to help particularly men in mm. dressing well and yeah a good pair of heels. A good pair of heels. Killer heels. Okay. Maybe. Three pieces of advice you would offer to anyone thinking about investing, making that investment into a bespoke suit. Yeah. What would you give them? Okay, I would say at the beginning you want to not go too crazy. Mm -hmm. I think if you have the budget to buy lots of suits, that's a different thing or bits of tailoring. But I think staples are essential and they're going to be the building blocks to your wardrobe. So navies, greys... Blacks, a lot of women don't like black, but as you get older on the skin tone, but mm. navies, greys, creams, keep the palette kind of fairly simple and then accessorise on top of that and build upon that. So that's firstly, I would say that. I'd say in terms of tailoring on a single breasted jacket, ideally you do a one button front with slanted pockets, which right. draws the eye into the centre and makes you appear longer and that's slimmer. Mm -hmm. And a trouser, you know, you want the jacket to hit just below the crotch so the leg appears to go on forever. This is a weird one, but for people with big feet, adding a hem slit, I have enormous feet and often I like my trousers very tailored. Yes. And you can start to damage your trousers by putting your foot into it. And it's a really? silly one. But so putting a little hem slit in allows the fabric to open up slightly and you get your foot in easy. So where's the slit go on the inside? Literally just or on the Yeah, just on the outside of each leg. You put a small kind of four centimetre hem slit. And I also think it looks quite chic. It does look chic. Side adjusters. 
definitely invest in those. They are game changing because if I, I can speak for myself and I'm sure lots of other people, I am not the same size from the moment I wake yeah, up for guys no. as well. to the moment. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, but that's nice. the norm, isn't it? Usually but for it's so men. nice because, you know, there's been so many times in my life I've had to secretly undo a button in my top trousers or something and then, then you forget and stand, stand up. up. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's such an easy thing to add and they're such a great win because, you mm. know, as you feel slightly slim over the start of the morning, you tighten them up and then as you eat and do normal things where your stomach goes yeah. in and out. You know, and it's, monthly. Exactly. Sometimes it's all, but all of these things and it just change. it's a small thing but again mm. can just make sure that you can jump out of bed and particularly as women we can fluctuate between one and three kilograms in a week literally mm. it's just a great way of making sure that you're able to wear the same stuff and yeah if you had to select just one amazing person who is alive right now who actually is nailing it currently from a women's wear perspective in terms of dressing? I mean, Lauren Houghton. It is yes, always Lauren incredible. Houghton for me. She's unreal. Her Harper's cover, I mean, was unbelievable. There she was at 75 or whatever with her top off. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. She's so chic. She was the pioneer of the trouser suit in her mm, day as well. Mm. She kind of is this idea of a rule breaker and very androgynous in the way she dresses as well, which, by the way, that would be my third one. Androgynous. Forget elevated. <laughs> it's definitely androgynous. That's four. It was the beginning. Yeah. I was a bit nervous. And did you work with Lauren when you were at Huntsman? Because I know she had a few she, suits made there. Exactly. So yeah. Lauren was a client of Huntsman. We got to know each other. Again, back to smoking, which is a terrible habit, but we both smoked roll-up cigarettes. Right. So we'd stand outside and smoke and smoke. And then we ended up getting... <laughs> weirdly quite close we texted and now I have a great friendship with her but she's also happens to be someone that through all my life it's You've just been idolized this, in, yeah. it's been an icon it was, for it was you. just such a great moment and she's just such a cool woman okay we're going to go into some quick fire questions garden party or rave rave <laughs> I didn't even think about you it. You said that very quietly. Uh, mine's a bit more pedestrian than that. Heels or loafers? Loafers. I'm so tall and I can't wear heels. Oh. I wear them on occasion, but I struggle. Double or single-breasted jacket? Oh, that's hard. Depends on the occasion. Got to choose. Double. Okay, poker or gin rummy? Poker. Hip flask or cigarette box? Used to be cigarette box, now hip flask. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking jacket or dinner jacket? Smoking jacket. Brooch or watch chain? Ooh, watch chain. Cotton or silk shirt? Silk. Jeans or leggings? Jeans. <laughs> Purse or wads of cash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Purse. Wild socks or a jazzy handkerchief? Wild socks. <laughs> Wild socks. And foxtrot or hip hop? Hip-hop. Oh, I knew you were going to say yeah. that. <laughs> Definitely. So when you look into the future, obviously now being on the road for six, seven years, and you do that crystal ball moment mm -hmm. of like, what does the future of tailoring mm. look like for women? What would you say? Tailoring or for the deck? For tailoring? For both, for both, I think. You know, in regards to this sort of understanding and education piece yeah. about how important it is to invest in all of that. I think the future looks like Okay, for the deck, it looks like us, but we want to become the wardrobe for the modern woman. So mm. we'll expand into jumpsuits, overcoats, all these kind of things. There's so much exciting stuff happening at the moment mm. um, and, and just becoming the destination for the modern woman for tailoring today. Or, But for the tailoring industry for women, I think change and more of us. I think there, there needs to be more of us. For God's sake, there's a street of 40 tailors for men. Yeah. There needs to be more of us and there's tons of women. I mean, our biggest problem is that 
so many women want what we do but don't know we exist mm. you know and they come and I wish you'd been here for this I wish you'd been yeah. there are hundreds of women out there that we need to service and that is not a job for one that's a job for many and the more of us that do it mm. the better it is and the easier it becomes and yes without a doubt because I think most women don't know that there are bespoke tailors out there for yeah. me when I went into Huntsman I had no idea that they're designed for yeah. women. And I saw these Marlene Dietrich breeches yeah. on, the, on the wall. And I was like, why do you have her breeches here? And they're like, we made them for yeah, her. Yeah, they, they've made just so many amazing people through time. a Pandora's box yeah. of female tailoring. They've tailored for the queen. But nobody hears about that. And I think, you know, that needs to be spoken information about spoken about. But more. I think because there was this misconception mm. well for so long it was just women's bodies are more difficult in mm -hmm. commas, and therefore from a business mindset mm. it, we make less money there's more alterations and so why would we bother mm. you know that's kind of the feeling who made um, Bianca Jaggers Sexton. was it Sexton yeah it was Sexton amazing was we have so out of a white gabardine cloth that uh, they've actually we've managed to get some of that cloth that she wore for because everyone wants that look I was going to say I everyone mean we make for it. so many brides so many yes. mothers of the bride so many bridesmaids it's fantastic and they all want that yeah. kind of look because it is just timeless look. exactly iconic but there look. weren't many women during the 60s or anyone that had that mm. iconic suit mm. look I she mean, who else is amazing. there? Marlena Dietrich yeah. and Bianca Jagger, in that sense. Yeah. You think about Marlena Dietrich for smoking jacket, yeah. evening wear, but yeah. Bianca Jagger, it's that white summer suit, she it's weddings, it. it's yeah. everything. So cool. So that cool. photo of her and Mick yes. in the cab, when it's she's just got the, the hat best one. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much for joining us. No worries. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we look forward to welcoming you at Royal Ascot. Thanks so much for listening and please remember, if you enjoyed joining us, you can subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Personal Threads is brought to you by Ascot Racecourse. The show is hosted by Scott Wimsett and Susan Bender-Whitfield, produced by Little Dot Studios and edited by Content is Queen. <laughs>